Hello and welcome back to Division One Rejects. This is episode four. We've made it this far, fellas. Once again, I'm joined today by Zach Keen. Zach, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? And Connor Gashke making another appearance. Connor, good to have you back, Bob. Appreciate it. All right, today on Division One Rejects, to start things off, you're going to have a guest on from Wayne State University who finished second in the GLIAC last year and had a hell of a year behind Coach uh, Winters down there in Detroit. We're going to get into a potential new top dog in the NFL coming out of the NFC North. I know Zach is excited to talk about that. He's already got the hat on. After that, we're going to dive into some college football highlights and some postponed games one week away from the Big Ten coming back onto the college scene. That is going to be huge. As always, this podcast is recorded on YouTube, so if you're watching on YouTube, hello. But if not, tell your friends to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, fellas, to start this thing off, let's cut to that interview with Myron Harris from Wayne State. Our guest today on Division One Rejects is a three-time All-State and two-time Dream Team captain, state champion running back out of previously ranked number one Chippewa Valley High School, where he rushed for 1,500 yards his senior year, now heading to play in Detroit at the Wayne State University. We have Myron Harris. What's going on, Myron? How you doing, man? Nothing much, man. man. Just living. Just, just living. Hell yeah, dog. Now, what's your first impression of college football like and being able to practice with the guys down there in Detroit? Um, Me, personally, I mean, it's a little different, but, you know, nothing too different from high school, to be honest, especially from the high school that I came from. I feel like they prepared us real nice for the college life, so there's really not a, like, not being able to jump or an adjustment, really, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's awesome. I had a chance to play you guys. I think it was, I know my sophomore year we played you guys lost by like three points or something crazy like that. Um, I didn't have too many snaps, but uh, not sure if you're on the field. I didn't know of you at the time, but I know you guys have had a great program. Obviously won the state championship in 2018. I was there in the end zone recording it where Clarkston uh, went for two and I missed that. I, I've never been happier in my, my entire life. What was that moment like for you? <laughs> Uh, that moment was so real. Um, my twin brother was actually on defense at that no time. No way, that's awesome. Yes, yes. So it was, it was, it was kind of crazy. You know, it was so real. You know, because growing up in Little League, you know, we always made that championship but never won it. But me and my brother made a promise. It was like we're gonna get a, a high school state championship, and then that day we did. So it kind of felt so real. Yeah, and you talked about how your team really prepared you guys for the college level. Now, you specifically had offers from most of the GLIAC teams like Ferris, Grand Valley, even one from Northern Michigan where we're at. What was it about Wayne State that helped you make your decision? And your brother obviously was a big part in this recruiting process too, who's also going to Wayne to play with you. What were the conversations with him like, and why Wayne State? Well, one, I just want to give all the glory and honor to uh, God first. Of course. But, uh my twin played a big role. Like our conversations were, you know, of course behind closed doors and very critical, but I mean, the decision wasn't a hard decision. Um, Wayne State made us feel at home and Wayne State gave us the, you know, vibe that they wanted us here. And so far that vibe that, you know, they had when they recruited us is still the vibe that they have now that we even. So Wayne State was just honestly just a, a, a gift and a, a blessing from God. So it wasn't really, that much of a, a hard choice to make to come here. So. That's the best thing to hear, really, for me, and I think for anyone who's gone through that recruiting process and dealing with, you know, multiple schools. And like you said, like Wayne State made you feel like they wanted you there. And I, that just to me, that's awesome that you feel like you really belong there because I know a lot of guys go through that same process 
and it's a lot more difficult for them. So do you think, you know, having a brother go through that same process, do you guys think that that helped, you know, kind of lean on each other and bounce ideas off each other just to talk to each other about that process? I think that was, like you said, obviously it had a big role on where you ended up. You think that was a, a great, you know, a great indicator of getting you through that process? I mean, most definitely. I mean, anytime you, you can go through something that pivotal and big in your life with some like with somebody else or just something in general, you know, rather than by yourself. That's always a huge, huge, huge thing. That's why I say that I'm blessed to be a twin. As much as some days that I wake up and, you know, might not like being a twin, but during that whole process, just having somebody there with you is is very key and really big in that situation, especially something that pivotal in your life. That's awesome, man. Now, obviously, you and Miles are heading up to Wayne State, but you had a total of five guys from your 2019 Chip Valley team all commit to Wayne State. Is this the start of a pipeline to Wayne State University from Chip Valley? And what was it that really started this movement? Was it one individual event, or was it really just you guys talking to, talking to each other and finding out that this was really the best spot for you all? It all started with our quarterback, uh, Joshua Culkin. Pretty, he, um, he from Chip Valley to Everett. He committed, I think, early, like, February, if no, like, December, like, right after the season. And, you know, he and me and him, you know, you know, other than my twin brother, he was considered my best friend. And he would come over to my house and tell me, like, you know, it's definitely in my spirit that y'all are coming to win. Like, you guys are the win. And and I'm like, bro, no, there's no way, you know what I'm saying? Because basically <laughs> how, my, you know, the season was going, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going somewhere, me, like, me and my brother are going somewhere big, like, at least yeah. in, the, in the Mac, or, you know, eight, we like, you know, something about to shape. He's like, bro, I'm telling you, you guys are coming on. You guys are coming on. So after he committed, um, you know, kind of, you know, like, gave him a little boost in our eyes. And then we had a meeting with me and, you know, Coach Winnings and Coach Wooster. I know Coach Wooster was here, all respect to him. Yeah. Uh, when he knew that Wayne, he did a great job selling Wayne. And, and, and he asked my twin brother at the end of the thing, he was like, how do you feel so far? And our goal was not to commit like, and my brother was like, I can see myself here for the next three, four, five years. I'm like, dang. But I mean, like, you know, like, it wasn't like a, a bad decision. Yeah, he just I made like, that decision. Like, we, yeah, I'm like, we didn't even talk about it. But I was like, well, I guess I'm coming to so After that, I, I called up our lineman because me and the lineman, like, we were really close. You know, I mean, Cole, you know how I did that running back to the lineman. Of course, bro, of course. So, and so, so we had me up for mine because most of our, our offers were the same, too. And I was yeah. like, you know, if it's up to me, I, you know, I'll run behind you, you know, saying for the rest of my life until I make the league. I love that. And I called him, and I called him, and he was like, you know, you committed. I was like, I just committed, bro. I was like, and I'm going to lie, still good. A couple days later, he, he was about to commit to Ferris. Really? And then out of nowhere, he flipped it, commit to Wayne. And then last but not least, our cornerback, Carter Johnson, mm-hmm. um, you know, not to mention all these dudes are studs, by the way, because we are with the team captains of the uh, Hell yeah. of our team. And so when, after we committed, you know what I'm saying, he seen how happy we were. They wanted him, too. And it was like, let's make it all the package deal. And then, boom, all five of us committed. I love that, dude. That story is awesome. Just your brother right there committing on the spot, kind of going just off of the plans and off of whatever. And then, you know what, we're a package deal. Let's do it. Let's commit to this right now. I, I think that's an awesome story that you're going to be telling for a while. And having that relationship, obviously, with those guys in your team, the fact that you're all captains, that's really something that you don't hear of too often. And I love that you guys were able to do that. But you talked about how your quarterback was the first 
of you guys to commit Kolka. And Chip Valley has seen some really great quarterbacks come out of that school. The last five starting quarterbacks received scholarships to play football at the next level, whether that be NAIA, Division Two, Division One. And you obviously got to play with Tommy Schuster, who led that 2018, 2018 team excuse me, to the state championships. He's now at the University of North Dakota. And more recently, we just talked about Josh Kolka, who's joining you at Wayne State. How important is it to have those guys on your team, leading your team? And like you said, those relationships you have with those guys, how important are those when really trying to lead a team to something great like a state championship? Well, having two great quarterbacks, you know, coming to your life like that, one, I've never seen anything like them before in my life, honestly. But that kind of just preps you for the next level because, like I said, Chip, uh, you know, prepared us and, like, well for college and our practices and everything, even our game days were ran like a, a D1 college. So the fact that, you know, I have two great quarterbacks, one quarterback that stick with me for the for half my life, really, yeah. for the next four to five years, you know what I'm saying? That's real big and, and pivotal. But having guys like that, you know, you know, be like be next to you and, you know, get to play at the next level with is pretty huge, you know. So making which makes that jump even easier because now I have somebody on offense with me. Now, you know, not only just my brother coming in who's a defensive yep. uh, specialist, but you come in with somebody that's right next to you, you, you know, he's a quarterback. So that makes you even more comfortable because you already got that connected. Yeah, uh, for sure. So yeah. uh, Miles is playing defense then over at Wayne State. I know he played pretty much everything for you guys, slot, returner, defense, especially. Like you said, so he's going to be focused primarily on the def- defensive side. Yeah, man, you talk about the jack of all trades. Man. Seriously. He did everything. Yeah, Miles, um, Miles is a, a free and strong safety. Awesome. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not really the best at uh, to talk about the defensive position. But <laughs> That's all right, man. That ain't your job. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know he's a safety. I know he's safety. I know he can play anywhere in the secondary. Totally. Uh, you guys in Wayne, obviously, you're just now getting there, but you're coming into a program that has been established now and really had a great year last year. You finished second in the GLIAC behind Ferris State in a season where Wayne State really started slow. They lost their first two games, but both of them were out of conference, as I'm sure you know. But the Warriors were dominating conference games and winning big ones. They beat Grand Valley and uh, had a double overtime win against Ashland at home. But the thing that I wanted to touch on specifically for you is that they graduate three running backs after the 2019 season. So what does that running back room look like at Wayne State, and how have you enjoyed it so far with those guys? Uh, well, just to touch on uh, first when you uh, talked about, you know, Wayne State being such a good team. Wayne State, you know, kind of reminds me of Chippewa when we came in our freshman year. Our, our freshman year, you know, Chippewa was not, you know, like they were on the come up, you know what I mean? Like they had just started having winning seasons. Yeah, I got you. Like Wayne is on that. Yeah, Wayne is on that same, you know, come up or whatever. So just the fact that, you know, we get to come in is nothing different than coming in, you know, to high school. And, you know, especially even though, I mean, in 2018, you can pretty much look at our roster and everybody that started with D1. So, yeah. so, um, but yeah, but the running back room, man, it's, it's, it's still competitive. It's still Great. competitive, man. Yeah, that's good to hear, bro. Where do you uh, where do you see yourself fitting in there? And obviously, you know, I'm sure you want to get out there and play, but you know, to red shirts and COVID and everything going on, have you really uh, you know started to fit yourself in there and found your role in that running back room? Um, I came in with the mentality of you know just being myself. You know what I'm saying? Just of course, being like one person. You know, and to come in and just learn from the other guys. So I could say my the way I see myself in you know in the running back room. I, I think I fare pretty well. I think I'm I'm uh, one of the missing pieces for sure as far as, like, you know, 
adding like you know like family and all that stuff but yeah and skill set wise just you, you fill some gaps for them skill set wise and being able to bring some things that you offer that maybe they didn't have in the past i think that's that's huge just knowing your role and um, being that guy, like you said, taking stuff from the older guys. I know I'm in, you know, a very similar situation. Um, obviously, our team did Northern's team did not do nearly as well last year, uh, but I think our running back room is really one of the bright spots of our team right now, and we've got some great competition in that room. So for me, and I'm sure for man, you, just getting, oh, sorry, what were you saying? Man, when I was sorry to cut you off, but when I was getting recruited by Northern, you were on top of the conversation, and they were, and they were like, and they were uh, <laughs> leaning on you a lot. And they're like, we get both of you, man. You guys can be a great dinosaur. Run back quick from ground. See that? See <laughs> they, they ain't tell me that. They ain't <laughs> tell me that, man. I would have liked yeah, to hear man. that. <laughs> Damn. Hey, yeah, even man. even though we don't get to play with each other, I'm sure I'll be seeing you for the next couple of years, my guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. And I know we touched on it a little bit earlier. You talked about uh, Coach Wooster, who is the same one who I got to communicate with and who I went through that recruiting process with, who now is at Grand Valley. And, you know, I had a great first impression of Coach Wooster, and I, I really enjoyed some of our conversations that we had. Uh, what was your relationship with him as a recruiter? And does this really kind of, you know, just kind of ground you in the fact that college football really is a business, right? So how do you how do you feel about that? <clears throat> Uh, I just want to say that Coach Wooster is a great dude, man. Yeah. Great dude. He has a great relationship with Coach Wooster. You know, of course it hurt, you know, when he left not even being, I mean, not even, you know, being down here yet. And not yeah, really, you I know, doing like the full expense of, of him being the coach, just the fact that, you know, that we built that relationship so fast and established a solid foundation, you know. So it kind of hurt that he left. But Coach Wooster is and was a great dude, and that man has a bright future ahead of him. But yeah, he played an interesting role in us coming along as well. He was one of the main reasons why we felt, you know, that we took the way here. Yeah, of course. Uh, last one for you, my man. A little less serious one right now, but uh, who are you riding with in the NFL? Who's been uh, your team to follow? Are you a Lions fan or somewhere out of state? Well, uh, that, that's a no. That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not really much too big of a Lions fan. Man. Um, but I'm not – to be honest, I just like great football, man. So All if right. I turn on TV and somebody is playing, as long as we get game, I'm entertained. So, you know, I'm not a, a hop-on-a-bandwagon type of dude. I just like to see good football. Man. I can dig that, brother. I like that. So, uh, yeah, that's really all I got for you today, man. I really appreciate you uh, coming on, sharing a little bit of time. And, uh, man, I wish I would have heard about that uh, that little duo that they were kind of dreaming up here at, in Marquette of me and you coming up to play running back. But – um, oh, even yeah. though, like I said, even though I don't get to play with you, my man, I'd love to, and I've seen you do some great things. I know you're going to do great things at this level too. And, uh, I can't wait to keep competing against you, my man. Oh yeah. I mean, man, you know, you know, it's crazy. Cause like I grew up playing basketball in the Lake Orton area. Did uh, you really? Jack Cummins, yeah. Jack oh yeah. Cummins. Yeah. And I played for Wolfpack and Oakland Elite back in branch out of Lake Orion and Clarkson area. Hell yeah. So, I was a local Elite. Like, yeah. 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 So you, you were in our familiar familiar name because it was kind of funny because when you started reaching out to me on twitter like right after the season yeah that's when you know northern you like began to talk to me more and then that's when they started talking about this and i guess they started like recruiting you because you were killing it i appreciate that brother but yeah i mean it's crazy what you can do just reaching out to people make some great connections and uh i'm sure i'll be talking to you soon my man but uh thank you so much and i'll talk to you soon oh yeah all right see you boss of course man have a good one all right, it was great to have Myron on, and, uh, you know, obviously I never heard about some of that stuff about Northern recruiting him. It would have been great to have him up here, but 
competing against him in the next couple of years is going to be huge. And I think he's going to do some great things at the next level. So i um, super excited to have him on. I'm sure we'll have him on sometime in the future. And that's going to be a key uh, part of that Wayne State offense and that running back room. But let's kind of transition now more into the NFL. And Zach, you've already got your hat on. I know you're ready to talk about this. The Packers come in at number one on the NFL Week 6 Power Dang! Rankings. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers right now, that's really the storyline right now, is Aaron Rodgers and his play that he has elevated so much. And I think his mindset has changed. And I know that you think it's just you know Aaron Rodgers as usual. But to me, it seems like he just looks you know relaxed more so on the field and he's really feeling it this year for whatever reason. Um, I think in the words of LL Cool J, uh, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. So anyways, <laughs> he honestly, he's always been the same dude. I think it's just Green Bay has been building around him for a little bit. And yeah, and it's so minute because obviously with the draft, um, I get depression talking about it. Jordan um, Love. And a moment of silence for Jordan Love, who's enjoying Anyways. his view from the bench this year and will be a, presumably the for the next couple of years. Green Bay Packers quarterback. Oh, uh, he better be. <laughs> holy shit, dude. I'm going to be pissed. Anyways, n- no shots against him because he's he had no, you know. Yeah, he has he no, had, he he has has no, control. no control over yeah. that. But the Packers organization, piss off. Anyways, <laughs> I, why wouldn't you take a freaking wide receiver? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? And I know you were telling me earlier. Or a linebacker. About the stats from one of the two. his wide receivers that he's thrown to. Yes, so one touchdown thrown to a first-round draft pick. So uh, it's astounding. That's yeah, that's honestly insane for a quarterback of his level. I mean, um, obviously, I don't think there's um, there's no debate about you know Devonte Adams not being a great receiver. Yeah, and then he's, you've got other guys amazing, like uh, Scalding, you know, Valdez yes. and Lazard and other he's, guys. He's that, had great receivers yeah. through the years, but you can tell like the team hasn't necessarily tried to put all like all in. Yeah, they for really him haven't giving invested him, him weapons yeah. and that kind of thing. There's so no that, perennial Pro Bowler that's lining up outside of the exactly. slot or wide receiver position that is like. Uh, you know, like a team doesn't come into the week saying, "Oh, we got to lock down this guy." Like it's an Aaron Rodgers; he controls. The well, floor right of the now, offense. yeah, yeah. I mean, Devonta Adams obviously was the guy that he, yeah, you know, they he would has put like been five in, people on. He but, has been in the past. Um, honestly, I mean, last year we had Jimmy Graham. Um, but uh, I think our little tight end buddy now, Tanyan, yeah, uh, he's making a name for himself, and he's for sure. really underrated. Same with Lazard, out with a core injury for you know probably the rest of the year. He needed surgery, but Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind at Green Bay. Um, this is just what he's been about his entire career. His longevity has been insane with the yeah. Packers. Oh, um, for sure. I hope he retires with the Packers. That would be my dream. Um, and obviously have Jordan Love develop because if not, I will be um, livid. So. Yeah. Anyways, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is this is their year to go to the Super Bowl. This is it, huh? After falling well, not, short, this is it. I think honestly, I think yeah, that was a good year too. Yeah, last but year. But they needed some help on defense, and I think that's what they had this year. You know, with Kenny okay. Clark, Zadarius Smith. Um, I think they should have done a little bit more at the linebacker core. I think we probably have one of the worst ranked in the in the NFL, really? to be honest. But secondary is looking good. Once we get Kenny Clark back, that'll be good. Um, who else is out? Uh, Rashawn Gary's out, but honestly, I think Go if blue. our if our whole team is healthy, there's there's no way we're not losing anybody. It'll be uh, you know obviously not world beaters uh, down in Tampa Bay, but they're at uh, Tampa Bay to play against the Buccaneers this weekend. So that I think I think will be a Schmacked. good uh, that'll be a good measuring stick for them to see if 
that's a game they definitely should win. So how they do that in what fashion, that will be uh, very interesting to see. But another team I want to talk about were the Cleveland Browns. And I know we talked about them in the first episode, talking about how Baker really, this was his prove-it year and how he needed to step up to be that franchise quarterback, to be the guy for this Cleveland organization. And they come in at six in the power rankings, which is the highest they've been as far as I can remember, seriously, in my lifetime. Yeah. And... They're on a four-game winning streak right now. 38 points per game is what they're averaging while simultaneously leading the league in rushing behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. This offense has looked awesome, but this week is going to be their biggest test. They're playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the best defense in the league right now, obviously with leadership at every facet of that defense with Cameron Hayward in the interior defensive line, TJ Watt coming off the outside as an outside linebacker, Minka Fitzpatrick in the safety position, really reading quarterbacks, and... That defense is one that doesn't, I don't think, has any glaring faults or something that an offense can really go and attack. Now, they're obviously going to have to change their scheme a little bit, but what do we expect here? And is this, have the Packers already, or excuse me, Packers, the Browns, have the Browns already proven themselves? I believe they have, but I think this would just be kind of icing on the cake at this point. Well, I think that, you know, of course, since we've been alive forever, the Browns, they haven't been the best team. Stunk. Of course. Not been the best team. They sucked. You know. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> very bad. Yes, very bad football team. But I can't really talk because I'm a Lions fan. Yeah. Anyways. The Lions worst are, franchise anyways, in we'll, NFL let's history. Just, let's All right. We'll let's leave just, that. We'll, yeah. For a later conversation. Anyways, so, you know, you go from, when was it, like four years ago they went 0-16 or whatever? Somewhere around there. Yeah, you know, it's they go recent f- memory, last decade. Deshaun yeah. Kaiser. And you go from that and, you know. They've been the laughing stock of football, like, oh, the Browns, the Browns, blah, blah, blah. It's, you you don't really hear anything good about them. They get Baker. Okay, that's a good, you know, a good start. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they bring in Odell, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, yeah. Kareem Hunt, Miles Garrett. and Household names oh, on a yeah. franchise that just years prior would have no business having these guys in their roster. And then you just see them start making their way up on the charts, and you're like, oh, is this, maybe this team's actually somewhat good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people could be saying, oh, it's you know, it's just luck. Their four-game winning streak, yeah. blah. But this next game against Pittsburgh, if they can pull off this win, I they have to earn everyone's respect. Yeah, I know? think so. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have not played any teams, to my knowledge, above 500. So it's been, I don't want to say an easy road for them, but when you beat teams that you're supposed to beat, that's a trait of a good football team at whatever level you're at. you got to beat mm-hmm. teams that you're supposed to beat. They're letting up only 64 yards per game on the ground, and they're averaging five sacks through four games, which those numbers are something that goes with a defense that is full of guys with an unreal talent. And I think that if the Browns pull off, I guess you could call it an upset, you know, considering right, yeah. the rankings and where they're placed and the records right now, if they pull off this quote-unquote upset – for me, the Browns are back. You know what I mean? And I think they're back in a big way. Um, but another guy I want to talk about was Miles Garrett, who is having a pretty solid year this year. Already has six sacks in the season. But that's not what I wanted to talk about, about Miles Garrett. What I want to talk about is that this is the first time playing Pittsburgh since the Mason Rudolph incident where he took off his helmet and whacked him in the head with his own helmet on national television. Attempted murder. He got fined over $45,000, but that's that's chump change. That's nothing to a guy who makes that salary, although he was suspended the rest of the season. That's the longest suspension ever handed out for a single in-game incident. I'm honestly surprised they didn't handcuff him on the field. But what is this game going to be like for Miles Garrett? Uh... I don't really know. <laughs> to I don't be think completely anyone honest, does. I, I don't think anyone does. And there's, there hasn't been I, a lot I mean, of storylines. He, he, he hasn't really come out and really talked about it. 
you know, a whole bunch. And that's probably the best but, thing for him to do is just right. He needs maybe, to ignore it, yeah, obviously, and yeah. then just play his game. That's that's all he needs. Controlling to do. his emotions, I think. After that suspension, he's done some growing up. He's done some maturing, which for a guy in my shoes to say yeah. that about a guy like Miles Garrett, I don't know how I can do that. But just from an outsider's perspective, looking in, I think that he did need to do some growing up, and his emotions showed on that field. Nobody should ever you know, do that to somebody else, no matter what. He did say that Mason Rudolph directed a racial slur at him, in which case... You know, the NFL did an investigation. They conducted an investigation and found no evidence of that. So, for me, that'd be very difficult to find who says what. There's so much going on. If nobody was mic'd up, then there's pretty much no way for you to figure that out. But that's going to be an interesting game. He's got to keep his emotions in check and just play his game. I think he's going to be a huge part of that Cleveland win because our offense, I think, is going to get it done for the most part. We'll see how that defense pans out. I'm taking the Browns. You're taking the Browns? I'm taking the Browns. How about you? It's bold. I like it. <sighs> I don't think it's really that bold. Who have they beat? They've beaten the Giants, Broncos, Steelers. That's what I'm and saying. Eagles. That's what I'm so saying. Honestly, they, they haven't exactly run the gauntlet. I think Browns I'm taking the Browns too. I'll, I'll go Browns. I used to live in Cleveland. I live. Oh, it's a clean sweep. Yeah, I, I, I give it the Browns. Look I'll at take. That. I'll, I'll take the greed. Because we'll I like Baker. I just I like don't. Baker. Think. I want him to do well. As great of a defense this is, I think it's going to be a great test for this defense. And I think honestly, and I might catch a little flack for this, I'm not. I'm still not a believer in Big Ben and that he's back 100% and that he's ready to lead Definitely this team. Definitely not his prime. No. Oh. So he's past that. <laughs> he's past him. that. And I, I, I was a big, uh, you know. Die. What if that happened? What, what if that happened? Okay, Miles Garrett would be arrested. Like, he'd <laughs> he have be. to be. He'd have to be. But Roethlisberger right now is QB1, and they're riding with him. And obviously, he still has so much. He's got some left in the tank, and he's producing. But he's not producing enough where they're still relying on their defense in some aspects. And that happened last year, and they almost made the playoffs. Going through quarterbacks like Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. And they really almost made it to the playoffs riding on the coattails yeah. of their defense. Their defense is insane. But... Yeah, it'll be it'll be a really good test for them. But exactly. um, Let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs, who were the previous number one in the power rankings before the Packers overtook them. Yeah. And that is because of their loss to the L.A. Raiders, 40 to 32. Derek Carr coming out a week before and saying pretty much, I'm sick and tired of losing. This is this is it. I, I can't do it anymore. And what does he do? He comes out, elevates his play, 350 yards passing, three touchdowns. And this is the first time, I think, at least this year that we've seen somebody outplay Patrick Mahomes at his own game playing the football. And that's huge because Patrick Mahomes controls the pace of pretty much every field that he's on. And for somebody, he put up the very similar stats to Derek Carr, so I want, don't want to act like Derek Carr totally outshined him. But just for someone to go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes like that and show that this Chiefs team is not untouchable, most definitely not untouchable. They just put up 40 points against this team that their defense is supposed to be you know, a pretty solid point of this team. What was our, our biggest takeaways from that? I did not get to watch the game. I was at a wedding, but I know you guys get to watch some of it. What about you? Uh, I got to watch a little bit of the game, and it was it was a it was a shootout, you know. Yeah, it was. It was um, you know, you got to see two great quarterbacks, especially Mahomes. You know, everyone, you know, they turn the game. It's well, just, he threw he threw out the great word. I think Carr's great uh, great quarterback. Well, he showed it. I mean, that I game. Mean, he yeah, sh- he showed he's a great yeah. quarterback in that game. I would like throughout his whole season. You know, that's you know he hasn't really showed it, but to be talked he, about. Yeah, yeah. But you, through that game. He showed he's he can you know I'll agree with that he can hang with these guys he can be a great quarterback when he needs to be when he you know he can be and um, you know that's just something we love to see in football you know we love to yeah. see the classic you know quarterbacks going back to back and you know when you have Mahomes it's just all, all eyes are on him yeah you have Mahomes in a game it's Mahomes 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 and that's what all you'll see on 
social media, uh, just Mahomes, all eyes on it, know, all times. All, and you know, it's just it's fun to watch. And you know, we like games like that where it's a shootout. And you know, it was it was quite enjoyable. Mahomes did throw one interception, and it came from Jeff Heath. Now, many of you probably do not recognize that name, but I do because Jeff Heath graduated from Lake Orion High School, my alma mater, uh, down in Lake Orion, Michigan, Oakland County area. He then went to play at Saginaw Valley State University. That was the only offer to go play football in college that he got, where he recorded in his career 200 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, seven interceptions, four forced fumbles, and four fumble recoveries for the Cardinals. He still went undrafted in the draft, although he had some great numbers at his pro day in the GLIAC. Um, that did not stop him, however. He got drafted, or not drafted, excuse me, but signed as an undrafted free agent by the Dallas Cowboys, where he played for about six or seven years. This is his first year in Oakland, and he picks off Patrick Mahomes and actually got tackled by Mahomes at like the two-yard line. He should have just put that sucker in, but that was awesome for me. I didn't get to watch it, like I said, because of the wedding, but uh, Jeff, if you're listening, shout out to you. I love watching you play, my man. Jeff Heath was not the only GLIAC performer in this last NFL week. I wanted to highlight this because uh, there were some top performers from the GLIAC, which we don't get to see every week. It's not like you're the Big Ten or the SEC where you have numerous guys across all the teams that are putting up big numbers. But this week, we had a couple guys who did some great things. So, Fair State grad Zach Sealer, drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in 2018. He's now on the Dolphins. He got his chance this week after the starting defensive end for Miami Shaq. Lawson was out with a shoulder injury, and I think he made the most of it. He recorded his first sack, had a couple tackles in that game, now sits with 10 tackles on the year. And he's going to be playing a bigger role for that Miami team because of Lawson's injury. Another guy, we're staying with the Dolphins here, tight end Adam Shaheen out of Ashland, caught the fourth touchdown of his career on Sunday. He was drafted by the Bears, obviously now with the Dolphins. But I think that's so sweet to see guys that were once in our situation playing at the GLIAC level and playing against all of these teams that are in our conference to now be at that next level playing in the NFL. And what does that show for guys in our league besides the fact that, you know, you can do it, you can get there? It's just, uh, it's, you know, what everyone dreams of. Yeah. You know, you go to play uh, college football, you know, uh, you want to be at the, you want to go to the next level. And it's just awesome to see guys in, you know, our similar situation, um, you know, GLIAC and uh, now seeing them perform highly at uh, in the NFL. It's just, you know, it's really awesome to see and it's exciting and it's like a dream come true for everyone. And, you know we want to play at the next level and just seeing guys do that, you know, it gives us a chance and it's awesome to see that. And, uh, you know, who knows? Talk about the uh, rest of college football here. And I think that one thing we found out in the last week of college football is that COVID does not discriminate. It affects primetime games, just like it affects the garbage games. And the one game that I'm talking about uh, are the Florida Gators. I guess the one team I'm talking about are the Florida Gators who reported 21 positive COVID cases among their players and their game against LSU slated for Saturday has been indefinitely postponed. Now the SEC has obviously made some protections and some, uh, guidelines in case something like this happened, and they call it their Return to Activity and Medical Guidance Task Force. That is a freaking mouthful. But basically, they require that a program must have at least 53 scholarship players available in order to continue to play the game that was scheduled, to which Florida right now currently has less than 50, according to you know their roster and other things when you account for injuries and contract chasing, tracing excuse me of covid and the guys that have to quarantine and isolate that were in close contact or proximity with those that came down with positive tests the Gators shut down the program on Tuesday and postponed the game uh, yesterday actually as more positive cases came to be but what do you do as a program like Florida besides obviously ride it out i don't know if there's really anything you can do besides just take it on the side like 
turn the other cheek and just really ride out these two weeks and hold your stuff together. Well, let's just see. Let's just notice that Florida, of course, their mayor allowed everyone going back to normal. True. You know, yeah. full, everyone can go to the games. And, you know, every, we were talking about it uh, this week and we were just like, I don't know if that's the you know best very, I, you know best idea. Very we'll loose see, we'll restrictions. See, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And now you look now the team twenty one positive cases and it's only going to go up. It makes you wonder on. if that's directly correlated with some of the decisions that right. are going on right now in Florida, whether or not those decisions made by a governor or someone in that position of power that's making those mandates and those guidelines, if that's going to have a direct effect on the football team. Obviously, a college kid's going to be on campus 90% of the time, but what about that other 10% of the time when yeah, they, they go off campus going and they're out. doing other I mean, things? they're college students. They're, exactly. they're going to be going out. They're not going to be bunkered in. They're going to be going out, and now with all these... Uh, that's the, the hard rule, thing. You know. Yeah, to keep track of them when they're off campus, rather, as opposed to you know in the program, on the field, whatever. It's very easy to oversee them and make sure they're following all the math guidelines, keeping their masks up, socially distancing. But in a state like Florida, where there are obviously so many distractions or I guess places of entertainment, I guess you're depending on your perspective, it's going to be hard to keep college students from going out and trying to have a little bit of fun sometimes. Another guy that came down with COVID, this is a big one. Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, has officially contracted the virus as of West, uh, Wednesday afternoon, Excuse me. after which he immediately left the facility and informed players on a Zoom call. So not only Nick Saban, I didn't write this down, but the offensive, uh, not the offensive coordinator, the athletic director from Alabama also came down with COVID. So I wonder if that's the same, like, you know, they, one of them contracted it from the other, if they were in close proximity to one another, but... That's something that is obviously going to affect how they practice and they prepare for this game this week, which is a huge one. They face off against number three, Georgia, at home. Coach Saban is currently coaching over a Zoom or coaching over the Internet. I'm not sure exactly how he's doing it, but he is coaching in some capacity from home. What do you think that's like for a guy who really is a lifer in football at this point, just being away from practice, especially in a week like this where they have one of their biggest opponents ever? Um, honestly, Bama, I, I think they're going to be fine. Um, yeah, I think I think they'll be fine, but obviously a tough team from uh, Georgia coming in at number three. Yeah, <clears throat> those are two top teams going head to head. It's going to be huge for Bama not having their head coach. Obviously, um, you know I feel like that would be the same vice versa if it was Kirby Smart. Of course, but, anyone. Yeah, uh, but however they're trying to uh, coach, it's definitely not going to be the same whether they have them on a. You know, freaking robot with a pet iPad. <laughs> just roll it on the sideline. Yeah, that, honestly, that's the way I'm picturing it. That would be probably hilarious. Probably not, but anyways, uh, yeah, it's going to be a huge hit for them um, in, you know, their efforts to try and uh, – are, are they at home or are they away this week? Uh, that is a good question. They're at home, actually, playing against Georgia. Okay, yep. so they got Georgia coming in their house, and if yeah. they're going to be – you know, trying to look forward to taking them down, staying at their number two spot, and maybe knocking Georgia down a few notches. Uh, they're definitely going to want to, you know, have some focus practices, make sure they're yeah. not, uh, you know, getting off topic of what Saban would want. Um, exactly. I'm sure they're they're probably going to do that. But, um, yeah, definitely Saban's one of those guys that you definitely want 
and on that field, you know, coaching your guys around because he's just such a big impact with his presence, if anything. Yeah, Saban did say that coaching from this perspective, from this online perspective and not physically being there has actually given him some new perspectives as coaching, you know, because he's able to see from cameras up elevated positions and different areas. He just, He's not there on the ground level. While I'm sure he'd much rather prefer to be there, it has given him some different perspectives, and I'm sure it's kind of altered the way in which he's coached because he's never had to do this before. Now, in his absence, the, the rolling – the rolling tide are crimson tide excuse me are not left with some slouch at the interim head coach position they have their offensive coordinator steve sarkeesian who will oversee the preparations for saturday and this is not his first rodeo he's been a head coach at washington where he held the position from 2009 to 2013 also at usc in the 2014-2015 season I think that's important to have a guy from your staff, not bring in some outsider, which is, I think, the obvious decision for any program to do that. But that's huge for an offensive-minded guy to be the head of the program for this week at least, and maybe possibly next week because of that 14-day COVID protocol. So it'll be interesting to see without Saban if anything's really different about this Alabama team. But they've been really dominant is a 20 minute is a 20 minute record uh time and I can't figure out how to fix it. I got to figure out how to do this better cuz the recording sucks. We'll finish in 4 minutes so we can go get food. Oh good. Najee Harris, yeah. Heisman. Possible. Got it? Hello. So this Alabama team has really been predicated on their offensive power throughout the year. A couple names that I put down here, I got four guys that really showed out, uh, have been showing out actually throughout this whole season. Um, but really against their game, you know, Ole Miss, they, it was a shootout. It really was an offensive shootout, which we don't see from Alabama very often. They have a stout defense. Typically, Alabama is known for that. But this was the first time that I've seen Alabama in a shootout. It looked like a Big 12 game. It looked like a Big 12 game because it was quarterback versus quarterback. Wide receiver core had a huge emphasis. But the run game from Alabama was what separated them from Ole Miss behind Najee Harris, who had 23 carries in a career high, 206 yards and five touchdowns. He set some records in that. I don't know what exactly because they have a record for every single stat these days, and it's right. absolutely ridiculous. But he's had some records with that performance. The QB, Mac Jones, redshirt junior, 28 for 32, 417 yards, two touchdowns. They had two wide receivers with over 100 yards on the day and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And really to have those names and be that consistent across the board, I think that's huge for Alabama. That's huge for Sarkeesian, who's going to be at the head. And that offense is going to be the one, if they can pull out this win at home, which you guys, I think at home is not as much of an advantage as it has been in the past, especially for a team yeah. like Alabama. I don't know what the restrictions are on for like Alabama, but I remember yeah. watching like Florida and it seemed like most of like the southern states almost. Um, it seemed like they had a lot. It's a little more, bit more lax. Yeah, yeah, a lot more people there. So I got a feeling uh, in Tuscaloosa, it's going to be pretty much the same. Still a lot of crowd noise and everything. If if that is the case where they are having, yeah, uh, I don't know. Even fifty percent is still going to be. You know, a huge deal for them at home, but uh, oh, definitely, that'd be insane. yeah, definitely, their offense is going to need to step up. I don't know how consistent Georgia's offense has been, but I know their defense is still doing pretty good. So, oh, yeah, their thing that's going to set them apart is if their offense is able to execute and uh, play at the top of their game while their defense uh, stepping up. You know, most notably from last week, yeah, stepping up to the plate and uh, making sure that they keep these Georgia Bulldogs, you know, to a 
certain score. I think if the Alabama defense can stay off the field, then that means key turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, you know, yeah, just exactly. loss of downs, whatever. If they can keep that Georgia offense off the field and keep their offense on the field where they're dominating, I think that's what Alabama wants to do, especially right now where you have an offensive-minded guy leading your team. If you can have your offense out there for a large majority of the game, taking up a lot of that clock time and just yeah. eating the time of possession. That's just a win. That really is a win, and that's something that – um, you're, you might see a little bit of a change in their game plan, maybe specific run plays or certain concepts that are really going to draw the clock out and really make these drives that could have been four or five minute drives down the field. Maybe that expands them to a six or like a seven minute a drive. Exactly. If you can eat up half a quarter on one drive and end up scoring a touchdown at the end of that and keeping that Georgia offense off the field, I think that's. Best case scenario for best case scenario, excuse me, for Definitely. a team like Alabama. It's ideal. Two other games that I'm excited to watch are uh, Pitt at number three, Miami. Pat Narduzzi and uh, Pitt. 13. They are, yeah, sorry, they are looking solid on the season, but they've had a couple key losses. I think uh, Miami coming off that loss to Clemson, that absolute rout of, from Clemson, yeah. that will be um, kind of a bounce back game for them. The last game I was looking at though is number fifteen Auburn at South Carolina. Now Auburn looks great. Looks great. Per usual, they're a perennial powerhouse right now in college football. They have been, ever since I think that kickoff return against uh, Alabama and the Iron Bowl, they've been uh, in playoff contention. But South Carolina at home is a dangerous team. They're an underranked team, uh, underrated, excuse me. They're just and a dark I think horse. They really are, and they always have been. I don't think they've been able to take that step in recent years, but maybe now is the time. I guess we'll figure out this weekend on Saturday with college football happening. But that is it for episode four of Division One Rejects. I wanted to thank you so much for watching, listening, whatever you're doing. I really appreciate it. Taking the time out of your day. There's a lot of stuff you can listen to, but you're listening to us for some reason. I appreciate it. Uh, be a friend, tell a friend. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go out, tell somebody else. If you got any people who you think would love to be on this podcast from the GLIAC or anywhere else in college football, uh, give them a shout and uh, get them on here. But that's all for me, Kobe Manzo. Fellas, thanks for joining me today. Go Pat, go. Have a great weekend. Watch some college football, go Lions, go Blue. NFL football, whatever Peace. you can uh, go and enjoy. Have a good one.